This is Laura Lummer, the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach. I'm a healthy lifestyle coach, a clinical Ayurveda specialist, a personal trainer, and I'm also a breast cancer survivor. In this podcast, we talk about healthy thinking and mindfulness practices, eating well, moving your body for health and longevity, and we'll also hear from other breast cancer survivors who have re-engaged with life and have incredible stories to share. This podcast is your go-to resource for getting back to life after breast cancer. Well, hello and welcome to episode 51 of the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach. I'm your host, Laura Lemmer, and today we're going to be talking about your social support. First of all, I just want to thank you for tuning into the show. Your support and your subscribing to the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach makes all the difference in the world for me to continue to put the show out there and for other breast cancer survivors to be able to find the show. So thank you so much for doing that. And I'm going to jump right into today's topic. So first, I want to share a little story with you. And you may have heard the story on another episode, but I think it's very fitting for this episode today. So when I was going through treatment, my family was incredibly supportive and wonderful. My mom and my sisters would swoop in all the time. Every Sunday, they'd have pre-made food that they'd fill my freezer and my refrigerator with for myself and my kids. And they'd make tacos. We'd have a taco night. Everybody would come over. And then when that was done, they would clean everything top to bottom. And believe me, my mom is really good at cleaning things. And they'd leave in time for me to go to bed because I was exhausted and couldn't hang with them most of the time. Then as I started to get better, our taco nights became a little less consistent. And then we moved from weekly taco nights to monthly. From monthly to every couple of months, or we'd skip one here and there. And now we kind of have one here and there. But I'll never forget the one night when everyone would come over and everyone would still contribute. Someone would bring, you know, the beans or the rice or the fixings. And I would do part of the meal now at this point. And it was after we had all sat down, we had had dinner, and I was cleaning the kitchen and realized that I was in the house by myself while everybody else was out in my backyard sitting around the fire pit enjoying the beautiful evening that it was. So I stuck my head out there and I said, hey, so clearly nobody's worried about Laura dying anymore since I'm the only one in here cleaning up the kitchen after all of you guys. And we all laughed about it and I did say it in fun. But the truth is that things change once treatment ends. And that's why it is important to continue to build your social support system. Because it's very natural for people to go back to their habits and their routines and the way things used to be once they believe their survivor, whether it's friend or family, is good. You know, you're good to go. It's time to go back to normal. Now, this experience of being released from treatment, being told that you're cancer-free, it seems like the best news you could ever hear. And as you're going through treatment, you look forward to that day, and you look forward to hearing those words, right? Yet when they finally come, of course you're happy. You're happy to hear them. But something else happens that you don't expect and that most people don't talk about. You may find yourself feeling very alone very depressed, 
I've had messages, in fact, a recent message from a woman that I work with, and she said, Laura, I feel like I've been ghosted by my entire family. And that's not an uncommon experience. I liken this experience to one of giving birth. So if you've ever had children, you remember, of course, that feeling of elation, of giving birth. Such a happy moment, such an incredible miracle. And then just a short time later, when out of habit you put your hand on your no longer pregnant belly and there's no movement inside, right? That kicking and rolling around that you've marveled at for so many months is gone. And you may experience emptiness and sadness. That's not to say that you're not thrilled and elated that you have a beautiful new human in your life, but these emotions can coexist. And that's also not to say that you're going to miss having cancer in you. But you may miss the medical attention. You may miss the social support of all the people who rallied around you, stepped up so much for you, and now here you are. You're on your own. But not quite like it used to be. In fact, never like it used to be anymore. When you realize this, you may feel like you have to suck it up and just move forward because you certainly don't want to let anyone in on these thoughts. You don't want to look ungrateful for surviving or God forbid that you're not the warrior we breast cancer survivors have been branded to be, right? But I'm here to tell you that that is the worst move you can make. Here's the thing. Cancer is a confusing thing to go through for you as a survivor and for those around you. You have to remember that just as you're finding so much has changed after treatment, the people around you who support you didn't know this would happen either, and they may not know if you're not telling them. So in addition to the fact that our loved ones are also dealing with fear, confusion, and in all honesty, a little bit of discomfort, right? It's awkward sometimes to know what to say. You know as well as I do that it's difficult for people to approach you sometimes when you have cancer. They don't know, do I ask, do I not ask, do I pretend it's not happening? And some people do ghost you and just completely disappear because emotionally they cannot deal with it. And that carries over to when treatment ends oftentimes as well. Others don't know if they should talk about it or if they should ask you about it. And you don't want to keep bringing it up because you don't want to sound like you're complaining or that you're ungrateful because you survived. Yet there are things you need to talk about because you're struggling. Yikes, this is a big hot mess, right? There's so many pieces. Well, the National Cancer Institute lists these as common feelings that a loved one of a cancer survivor may experience after treatment ends. One, they may miss the support from your healthcare team and the family and friends who were checking in more frequently and helping you out when you were being treated. Two, they may feel pressure to go back to normal when just like you, they're just not feeling it yet. They may be feeling unsafe because your near constant medical supervision is missing. They may not feel comfortable leaving you for long periods of time because they're actually worried you're not strong enough or they are just traumatized that something will happen to you when they're gone and they can't bear that thought. That's some really powerful stuff. In the booklet, When Someone You Love Has Completed Cancer Treatment that was published by the National Cancer Institute, 
It says that one of the most common reactions by survivors, caregivers, after treatment has ended is, now what do I do? As many of them have to think about how to adjust to this new normal. Their life also is hurled into this chaos, changed so quickly, so intensely, and then it's done. So yeah, it's not all about us. But the good news is that you no longer have to think it is all about you. And that is kind of good news. Or that you're the only one adjusting to this new situation. You don't have to feel bad that you're being some kind of a burden on your loved ones or your colleagues. You just have to recognize the best case scenario, they're not sure how to act or what to say. And worst case scenario, they're going through a mirror image of the feelings and the struggles that you're going through. So knowing this gives you the opportunity to shift the energy of those relationships by strengthening your social support, clarifying what truly is happening to you, not just what they're thinking or expecting, and by helping them understand what you need, helping them understand what has changed, and then talking about how you can help each other. I'm going to give you some steps and a resource to do this in just a few minutes. But first, let's talk about why it's important to strengthen your social network, aside from the fact that it will help them out, as you just heard, but also what it will do for your health. If you haven't listened to episode 18, where I talk about an amazing book, Radical Remission by Kelly Turner, you should definitely go back and listen to that episode because there's a lot in there that pertains to this show as well. But the point that I really want to make is that the research that Dr. Kelly Turner talks about in that book found that one of the nine things that the cancer patients she studied did in an effort to support their own healing from late stage disease was to strengthen their support system. It was one of the most important things to their healing. The saying that it takes a village is no joke. We humans thrive off of the love and the energy that we exchange with each other when we're being supportive and positive and compassionate with ourselves and others. But for some reason throughout my lifetime, our world has become less and less community-centric and more and more isolated and disconnected from each other and from the impact we have on each other. I think a lot of times when I hear people talk about their cancer experience, they're so amazed and their heart is so full with all of the support that the community comes forward with. People step up in ways we've never imagined. And that is such a beautiful thing. And it can help you so much in your success rate and your survival rate through treatment. But it's important to know that that's there. And people just... People like to be needed. And when they feel needed, they step up. So we have to make a conscious effort to infuse these connections and these interactions back into our lives. According to the Mayo Clinic, a strong social support system has these benefits. It improves the ability to cope with stressful situations. It alleviates the effects of emotional distress. It promotes lifelong good mental health. That's a long time. It enhances your self-esteem, and who doesn't need that? It lowers cardiovascular risk and lowers blood pressure. 
It promotes healthy lifestyle behaviors, and it encourages adherence to treatment plans. That's good stuff, you guys. Now, we all want these things in our lives, right? Of course we do. And on the flip side of this is what studies show us we are more likely to experience if we have a weak social support system. These are things like depression, loneliness, and turning to substances like alcohol and drugs to dull our emotions. It even puts us at an increased risk of heart disease and brain disorders. Now, the important thing to remember is that oftentimes this isolation, this distance, is a result of our behavior and not the willingness of the people around us to be there and be connected. So that's why we're talking about the steps you have to take to strengthen your social support. Okay, so here's what you can do to build a stronger social support system for your own well-being and for the well-being of those around you that not only need you, but like to feel needed by you. First, you need to decide what type of support is really meaningful to you. What is it that you need? Do you need more emotional support? People or someone to be able to bear your thoughts and your souls and your fears to with no judgment and no unsolicited advice? Do you need someone to motivate or support your healthy lifestyle plan by giving you inspiration and even holding you accountable where you ask them to hold you accountable, where you tell them that you need a little more accountability? Do you need more instrumental support? Meaning, do you need help around the house and in the yard? Do you need financial assistance, transportation help, or any other physical, tangible things that you don't have the energy or the resources to handle at this point? Or do you need informational support? Are you feeling lost because you don't know what's out there for you? what options you have, what tools you can access, and what next steps you can take to even begin figuring out a direction now that your treatment is over. And you may very well need all these types of support. Once you determine this, it's important to determine who the people are that you think would be good at giving this type of support to you. Try to keep this list small as you think about these people. If you choose one person to give you all three types of support, that's okay too. Just be very clear on what it is that you need so that you can clearly communicate it. And what you need may just be for them to understand what's happening, right? You may not need them to do anything just to listen. And the fact is that developing social support can, does take energy, not can take energy, but it does take energy. Because once you decide on this, once you know what you need and who you'd like to confide in and get that support from, it's up to you to stay engaged. It's on you to keep that line of communication open to reach out and to give back. And that's why I recommend a short list of awesome souls who will champion you in every way possible. Take your time in creating that list because you want to make sure that you're making really meaningful, trustworthy choices. And now that you've got your people in mind and you know what you need to tell them, you have to figure out how to do it, 
How do you tell them? How do you communicate? We all have different strengths and different opportunities in the way we communicate. And then you have to commit to doing it. You have to commit to actually communicating it, right? Once you figure it out. Now, I don't want you to make the mistake of thinking that this is just a practice of telling people what you need, and then you're thinking, oh, I don't want to be a victim. I don't want to sound like I'm needy. That's not what I'm saying. No, no, no. This is a practice of also seeing what they may need from you and offering reassurances. So for instance, if you've noticed your husband, your partner, or your kids are very protective of you since going through cancer treatment, maybe they need some reassurance that even though things may be different right now, that that's a normal part of cancer treatment. Changes are going to happen so that they just don't feel that you're weak or it was harder on you than it normally is, but that this is a normal part of cancer treatment. And you can work together to strengthen their confidence in your ability to handle things, which will shift their approach to you from one of protectiveness to one of encouragement, because it's really the encouragement that you need right now. So to hope that makes sense. The way the conversation is structured has everything to do with the kind of social support. If you just go into this and saying, I need this one to clean the house and I need this one to do the yard work, then they may not still be understanding what's happening with you. And that may make you look like, oh, you still need to have a lot of protection. You're very fragile now. But if you say, hey, I have a little bit of lower energy now. I experience more fatigue more often than I used to. And I need to put some of my focus and attention into getting better and stronger and healthier physically. In order to do that, I need you guys to pitch in with me a little more around the house. Or we need to restructure our budget a little bit and have somebody come in once a month and do the heavy lifting around the house, the deep cleaning. So in terms of your own needs, what's important is that you're helping your social circle understand your new priorities. We get everybody on the same page with what the new priorities are. So for instance, if your level of energy has changed since going through cancer treatment, which I'm pretty sure it has, or maybe you had treatment with something like cisplatin and you sustained hearing damage. So places with loud, noisy backgrounds aren't so fun because you can't hear the conversation you wanna have. So sharing that with your support person, with your social support champions, sounds more like, hey, I would really prefer to have you over for a barbecue than going to that loud restaurant. Or I'd prefer it if we could go to dinner a little early before the crowds because it's easier for me to hear you. Or because I'm a lot more fun before 9 o'clock these days. Knowing this, your support person can also help to convey this information in constructive ways when others are around making plans that include you. So that way everybody can have fun and you don't become a hermit because things aren't what they once were. Now this may sound like a lot of work or more work than you want to do. And you may be listening to me and saying to yourself, I hate this. I just want to go back to normal. And I totally get that. You have certainly earned the right to feel that way. But I promise you that allowing that thought process to keep you from moving forward is never going to serve you, my friend. I know it's difficult to accept these changes because I've been there and I have fought them like nothing else until I learned that I needed to surrender. 
In fact, in my newly updated Revivify course, release is the first module because it's so critical to let go of what's holding you back from creating a new fulfilling plan for your life. And trust me, I learned this the hard way and I only tell you over and over again because I want to reduce as much frustration for you as I possibly can. Okay, to make this a little easier for you, I've actually created a download that's part of one of the action sheets in the Revivify course. So you can download this sheet by going to lauralemmer.com forward slash 51 and use it to think through and plan out how you will create a stronger network of social champions to support you in whatever you need. I'll tell you what I tell the women in my course. It is time to lay down the warrior shield and let your heart be soft again. Give yourself permission to accept support, to see where you can be supportive of the healing of those around you and be vulnerable enough to communicate your needs. I'd love to hear your thoughts and questions and I'd love to offer you as much support as you need. So find me on Facebook as Laura Lummer, on Instagram as the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach, and DM me with your thoughts. Or come and join us in the Revivify course, where I walk you through the process of releasing, regrouping, and reviving your life after breast cancer. You can find Revivify by going to my website, lauralummer.com, and scrolling down to courses. But before I go today, I have two questions for you. One, Have you subscribed to this podcast yet? If not, just hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now so you never miss an episode. I put out a new episode every Sunday, and when you're subscribed, you'll get it automatically. Second, have you left a review for this show? And if not, I would be so grateful if you could take a moment to leave a positive comment in the iTunes store. It means so much to me, and it makes the show easier for other breast cancer survivors to find. So you'll be doing a double service. Thanks in advance for taking the time to do that. And don't forget to go to the show notes for this episode, lauralummer.com forward slash 51, and get your free action sheet to start strengthening your social support system today. Until next time, be good to yourself, because your lifestyle is your medicine you've put your courage to the test laid all your doubts to rest your mind is clearer than before your heart is full and wanting more your future's at the door give it all you got no hesitating you've been waiting This is your moment